the idea came like Mel and 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 his producing partner Kevin Salter came to me and with with Searchlight to be like, do you want to do History of the World Part Two? Name drop on Mel, by the way, my dear friend Mel. Mel, you said Mel. Yes. We've known each other for 25 years. We met when we were 19. Yeah. You just said Mel Brooks, but you didn't say his last name. I'm sorry, but I have to acknowledge it. You know, <laughs> Mel and Marty came to me. <laughs> that is the voice of the great Nick Kroll. I love that, Nick Kroll. One of my oldest friends. You know how with your friends... Sometimes over the years, you have less in common with them. <laughs> um, Nick is the opposite. We have more in common. And he's just such a lovely person and a brilliant actor and writer and producer. I mean, you, you probably know him from The Kroll Show, from Oh Hello on Broadway, from The League. I've done a bunch of things, you know, with him. I did Human Resources on Netflix. I was this, the role of Barry, which is a fantastic animated show which is an offshoot of Big Mouth, which is a hilarious thing that he did with Mulaney and a whole bunch of other great people. I mean, I gosh, Nick's resume is so long and illustrious and great. Um, Don't Worry Darling, which we talk about on the show today, which I love and I highly recommend. And of course, his latest project, History of the World Part Two, which is on Hulu now. It's so funny. Here's my testament to how funny it is. I love it. Uh, our producer, Peter Salomon, loves it. And then we talked about it so much that we talked about it on the podcast so much that I'm in Utah on tour last week with my brother, Joe. And of course, Joe came on the trip because I have shows there. And then he's like, well, well America's guest is going to come along and turn this into a ski trip. And so, he's, so we went skiing. It's absurd. And but Peter and I were talking about it so much that that I hear Joe turn on History of the World Part 2 and he's laughing. I can hear I can hear the laughter through the walls. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better advertisement than you can hear the laughter through the walls of your hotel. Uh, we talk about that today. By the way, I'm I am working on new material on tour right now. So I had a great time in in Utah, in Arizona. There's a few tickets left in Indianapolis for my shows in May small club like helium comedy club great club and then philadelphia i just announced there's a few tickets left for that um that's in june and uh, more to come all of that just stay tuned on the mailing list on burbigs.com sign up there that's the you are the first people to know about anything that i'm doing and i have a ton of new material i've like written a ton of stuff you'll be hearing it on this podcast for the next few months there's a some exciting guests coming up I've been I've been I've been watching HBO's The Last of Us completely obsessed I mean it's it's very dark (laughs) but it's also extraordinarily well written and well directed and acted and we might have a special guest come on from that show or involved with that project soon so maybe you might have to study up there's nine episodes my talk today with Nick Kroll is so fun. We talk about History of the World Part Two. We talk about Mel Brooks, F. Murray Abraham. You might know from White Lotus is having a moment right now. He has a funny oh hello story about that. We talk about Don't Worry Darling and all the bizarre drama around it. It's such a good movie. And then uh, I have some questions for Nick that, that came from our college improv group text chain. <laughs> so that's a unique element. Uh, I think you're going to love it. Enjoy my chat with the great Nick Kroll. Nick 
thing that killed me was the thing you had Kumail Nanjiani, our friend, in uh, about Kama Sutra. Mm-hmm. It's like a <laughs> so pun stupid. on Kama Sutra and soup. <laughs> yeah. And it was one of those things where I'm laughing so hard. And I'm just going like, how do you, and I, I deal with this all the time. How do you find the line between what is stu- just downright stupid mm-hmm. or silly stupid and silly enough to be funny mm-hmm. and stupid enough to be okay? Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, <laughs> I I'm unfortunately do love a pun. I Same. do love wordplay. I, I don't remember where it was like, I remember early in my career, someone was like, it's not cool. Puns aren't sure. cool or wordplay is not cool. That's not, And I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's not cool. And then, like, I spent my entire career being like, what about the Kama Sutra? <laughs> like it every, I mean, it's uh, unfortunately, it's so much built off that. And then it's then like sometimes because sometimes you just need a way into a bit and then you're like, okay, what are, I mean, then literally the whole bit is wordplay, I guess. Yeah, a it's whole a sketches. series of soups. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's Kumail <laughs> suggesting, it's like two, pe- he's pitching two people on Kama Supra, um, and it's like sex positions and it's also the, soup. Yeah, yes, the and, corresponding soup. And they're really interested in sex positions. Yeah. Like he's really interested <laughs> in the soup. Yeah, it's it's all like doing the show is interesting because it's sort of like back to something that I hadn't done. I mean, there's long form sketch in there that feels more like the other stuff I've done, but like some real straight ahead like sketch. Yeah. Which I have not done in so long, really. Well, since Kroll's show probably. Yeah, but even Kroll's show wasn't, was almost never straight ahead like sketch. Yeah. Of like, here's a premise (laughs) and here's like the game and let's play the game. It was always like, here's this fucking self-important idiot ruining (laughs) other people's lives. Right. Which was like basically every- Rich dick. Yeah, everything was always some version of that. But it was more like, it was more like vibe, mood, tone than it was like, this is the joke. Let's play, let's find a bunch of different ways to play this joke, which- the 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 idea came like Mel and 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 his producing partner Kevin Salter came to me and with with Searchlight to be like, do you want to do History of the World Part Two? Name drop on Mel, by the way, my dear friend Mel. Mel, you said Mel. Yes, we've known each other for twenty five years. <laughs> we met when we were nineteen. Yeah. you just said Mel Brooks, but you didn't say his last <laughs> name. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I have to acknowledge it. You know, <laughs> Mel and Marty came to me. <laughs> uh, Marty Feldman, who's been dead for many years, but no, uh, not Marty Scorsese. Um, but it is, I mean, you know, it's weird, this thing where I totally do just casually be like Mel because, you know, they they came to me a couple of years ago being like History of the World Part Two, And it was like, he, well, of course, whatever you want to do. Of course. Like, like I'll do whatever Mel Brooks, I will do whatever Mel Brooks asks it of me. It stopped my life. Yeah. And I did. I would throw my body into traffic. <laughs> I would throw your body into traffic. Wait a minute. <laughs> that's, but that's not anything. It's a sacrifice for me. Think no, about, it's not. Think about the trauma of me seeing you get lumped, like hit by a car and that, that noise. Come on. And that'll, this, that'll really stick in my head. The, thought, the, the noise of a, of a RAV4 thumping over your body. Oh, I feel terrible about this. I thought this was like a one for one. Like a thing I go, yeah, I throw myself into traffic. You'd say you'd throw yourself into traffic. And I would emotionally by <laughs> by watching you get hit by a minivan. Um so but but when it was 
when Mel Brooks was like, "You do you want to do this? I was like, of course. It was the opportunity, one, because that movie, History of the World Part One, is a, was a super important movie to me growing up. It was like one of three VHSs that we Forget owned. Forget about it. And, Same. And, and, then, and then The Producers becomes like my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. And 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 obviously, then you're into Blazing Saddles and and Young Frankenstein uh, and Spaceballs is where I sort of I was not a big Star Wars guy. Can I come out on your podcast by saying I don't give a fuck about Star Wars? I think the, there's a Reddit thread that has already formed. We have a we have a direct line that goes straight to Reddit. Well, hey, Reddit subthread, <laughs> the cross section of people who are passionate about Star Wars and Mike Birbiglia. It's probably. I, what do you think the Venn diagram there is? Small. Yeah. So to that very small population <laughs> of people, I don't give a fuck about Star Wars. So I like Spaceballs, but it didn't appeal to me in yeah. the same way. Didn't hit you hard. Yeah. But so they asked, it was it, it was a no-brainer because, again, I would do anything, but also because I love that movie. And then it was sort of putting every, putting the team together. And I think inside of that, there was this agreement amongst all of us as we began to work on it was like brought in Wanda Sykes and then brought Ike Barinholtz and Dave Stassen in to help, you know, for Ike to star in it and for Dave and Ike to be like, you know, in the writer's room with with me every day and, and crafting the whole thing. But the overarching feeling was like, when you go back and watch Mel's stuff, he's not Mel Brooks. I won't say Mel anymore. No Brooks. Um, when you watch Mel Brooks' stuff, he is, he's really not political even right. though he's doing history, he's his his sort of apolitical. He's apolitical. He's always got a target on the powerful as yeah. being like r- r- dumb, greedy idiots. Yeah, but he's Fuck the poor. Yeah, exactly. But it's never like finger waggy. It's always yeah. pretty like and 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 also he. But then he is. It's silly, and it was like. And I think all of us at this moment in time, there's something cathartic about going back to just being like kind of silly because I feel like comedy has gotten kind of serious mm-hmm. um, at times. And so, because of, and this is what I, I want to talk about: cancel culture. <laughs> you can't say anything, can't say anything. anymore, can't say anything. except everything. Everything. Ninety-nine percent of the words. You're good. And then that 1%, I'm furious about I'm so mad, and I'm so mad that I I don't get asked about it more in press. Yeah. We need more questions. (laughs) About what I can, (laughs) what what we can't say anymore. If every, and every journalist is like, and Jerry Seinfeld won't go to colleges. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld Seinfeld was huge on the college circuit (laughs) before. (laughs) I was just like, what? In 1976. I know. (laughs) Yeah, Jerry Steinfeld can't go to the University of Indiana in 1977. That's absurd. I got yeah. I changed it by one year. So, so yeah, to do to do something silly, yeah. is cathartic. It was so fun. It was just so yeah. fun to do something stupid. Like, you know, I don't know. Did you? I don't know what what episode it's in. Did you see the uh, like the Saving Private Ryan sketch? Yes, it's amazing. The b- band of, where we're, we internally oh called Band of Barfers. Oh my God. It's so stupid and silly and fun. You know what I mean? Jen left the room. Oh, really? She couldn't watch people throwing up. Of course, it's disgusting. <laughs> but it is. She left the room, but she loved it. She was laughing super hard, and then she goes, I must leave the room, and then she left. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's great. And then she that's, threw up. And then she threw up and yeah. on, a, on, a, on, a, on a, a boat yeah. on the way to Normandy. Um, that stuff is so, it was so fun. Again, just so kind of silly and like, let's just play this game. It'll be fun. 
yeah, I'm loving like so much of the stuff you're doing recently. Your 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 Netflix special, the History of the World Part Two, and Don't Worry, Darling. Don't worry, darling. You're so good. Everyone's so good. The movie's fantastic. I Thank watched you. it. I watched it like a week or two ago. Jenny and I both loved it. Um, what a weird uh, rollout of that film because it went viral at a European festival mm-hmm. because a bunch of things. There's drama. You kissed Harry Styles on the mouth. Harry kissed me. Go ahead. Okay, he kissed you. Is that true? Yeah, he kind of grabbed me and kissed me. I was not expect. I was not. I was yeah. I was Did not you expecting. file a report? Yes. Well, there yeah. was no intimacy coordinator at the film festival. Okay, so then who did you file a report with? With the city of Venice. Oh wow! <laughs> Weirdly, but it was the city of Venice, California. So I right. fucked up the paperwork. Right. So all I was so what I got when I sued was a incredibly <laughs> wide brim hat and leather cuff bracelets. When I sued, oh, that was a, you settled then? <laughs> I settled with the city of Venice. <laughs> So you, so some, he kissed you, mess. or he initiated a kiss with you. But then I didn't realize till I watched the movie. Yes, it's a callback to the movie. Yes, it happens in the movie. Yes. So when I was watching it out of context, I was like, I don't understand why yeah. Harry Styles and Nick <laughs> yeah. are kissing. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. Nobody did, which was so funny. That's what I was like when it happened. I was like, oh, that's funny. He's doing a. He's kind of calling back what happened because we were. That makes sense. You had just seen the movie. Yeah, but nobody else on right. in the world had seen it, so it just looked like he was kissing me uh, on the mouth. But then when, which I was like, that's crazy. But only later, when we were at like the after party, did I start getting texts in about like, did Harry spit on Chris? <laughs> yes, I saw it. It's like, it was the <laughs> weirdest couple days. And I, and I was like, huh, I don't think he did. Cause like I sat with Chris right after the premiere for like 45 minutes and had dinner with him at the after party. And I think he probably would have mentioned at some point to me, hey, like, you think it's weird that Harry spit on me yeah, <laughs> right before right. the premiere? Like there was none of that. It was just the, we- it was so weird. The whole thing was so weird. I don't, I, I, by the time I saw the film, mm-hmm. which was recently, I was shocked. My experience of it was, oh my God, this movie's amazing. And I had been distracted by, I fell for the bait of being the distraction from the stupid internet. You know, people people go to see things sometimes because they're just like, oh, I heard this horror movie is great. I don't care who's in it. I don't care what's going on. But like, Oftentimes, people are going to watch something because they're interested in Mike Birbiglia or they're interested in Harry Styles or they're interested in uh, Florence Pugh or they're interested in whoever is at the center of this, like the personality behind the yeah. thing that they're watching. But when that, that the story of whoever that person is can't like overtake the the piece of art that they've made and it's really hard to navigate like w- like where does one fall inside of those things um, because people want to know like people want your story they want the intimacy the like the the little tidbits of your real life because it helps them connect to your art but once that once that those those little details and intimacies of your life or or the not even intimacies, the broad strokes of it take over, overshadow the art. It's a bummer for the art. And I'm not, there's no, I'm not blaming anybody for anything. It's yeah. just, it just happens yeah. to everyone. Yeah. 
I think that's right. And also that, and also making movies is extraordinarily hard. Oh my God. And, and, and for all the crew and all the cast and the director and everybody, and it's like, and the idea that the story that people run with is something other than the movie is, yeah. is kind of bizarre, but I don't know. Maybe more people saw it because of it. Maybe, I don't know. I will just say, and you know this having made a bunch of movies, it's so hard it's so hard to get a movie made and then it's so hard to make a movie that makes sense that even when I don't love a movie, I'm like, it was awesome. They made them. They made it. Yeah. You know, and then when something's really good, it's like, holy shit, that's unbelievable. That's that's the thing that I've developed with age. Like when I was in my 20s, I would be like, I would be like, I don't like that movie, or I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, I was more snarky. I was yeah. like more snobby. And as you know, in my forties, I'm more like, hey, good job getting that done. When we met, we were 19. We we're in college. We, were in, we did improv together, and you were one of the funniest people I've ever met in my whole life. But I know a lot of people in my life who are really funny. And they go, they don't go from here to where you are, which in my opinion is like here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Thank you. So my question is to you, how do you get there? Well, I think Kanye probably oh, said no. it best. <laughs> <laughs> no? Have you been following the news or anything? Yeah, I've been following very closely. No, no, he said a whole thing about the yeah, exactly. anti-Semitism and Hitler. And <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he, but I think he was right in that we, <laughs> Jesus Christ. We, he, we control the media, so it's been a very easy. It's been a very easy don't one. Don't do this. <laughs> don't do this, Nick. As your friend, I'm saying, don't do this. <laughs> I'm going to lose my Bonobo sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Too oh late. My gosh. The deal's already done. Oh my gosh. Um, so. <laughs> My gosh. I haven't added my take five deal's been done for years. So between take five. <laughs> those are literally oh the two gosh. those are the two uh corporate sponsors I've done. So no, in your special that, you say literally you go the only the only sponsorship <laughs> I've ever done is take five and I'm like, oh not so fast. <laughs> that I but that was before the bonobos, bonobos windfall. Yeah, yeah. Um but anyway, uh I think Bonobos, by the way, love ya. This is Bonobos, there I think. You go. Yeah, yeah. We're for, all in yeah. for you guys, but I think it's a. I think a mutual respect with for both of us is is the uh, consistency of just working hard, like literally putting in the hours. Yeah, is like you kind of we. You can be very talented, um, and and succeed, but most of the time you have to be talented and also just like be relentlessly working at what you do yeah. in all different ways. There's just no substitute for it. Yeah. There just isn't. You just can't. I know. You know, like, you just can't. I mean, every once in a while, someone can be insanely talented and lazy and become wildly successful, but it's- Usually short. Yeah, it doesn't last very long. Yeah. But I think part of it is, it's the company you keep. Mm-hmm. So in other words, like, you and I were in an improv group and we got in college and then we got out of college and all we were doing was going to UCB and doing improv mm-hmm. and doing open mics mm-hmm. and you and Mulaney were doing Oh Hello mm-hmm. downtown mm-hmm. and like long before Broadway and all this stuff. And it's like, it's almost like living it. Yeah. Well, and that's what I, I, I don't, generationally, like we were still very much had to be in physical spaces. So our community was, 
you know, we would go to, whether it was like a comedy club or Upright Citizens Brigade or open mics or whatever, you were still going to physical spaces with eat constantly with people. And like, you know, we meet in college and then I meet all the people in New York that I become friends with and work with to this day. It is about finding your people, your community, who are you're just like, whether you're working with them or not, you are in conversation with them about your process. You're seeing them every night at the club. You're seeing them every night at UCB. You're seeing them at, at open mics, whatever it is. And I think kid people now coming up are making so much of their stuff in their own spaces. They don't need to be in physical spaces with each other. Yeah. And so I guess, but I guess they have each other digitally in a way that like isn't must be incredibly freeing and exciting in their in the in a just a different relational way. Well, the new version of that in my life is like I became friends with Atsuko Akatsuka, who's in History of the World Part mm -hmm. Two, also. Yes. yes. Um, and is great. Just from social media, right? I just liked her stuff on Instagram, and I was like, "Hey, want to come on the podcast?" And then we became friends, and we start touring together. Yeah, and it like, becomes. It, I guess that it's is a the whole way. new thing. It's a whole new thing, and that's why I'm now just mainly, mainly working with influencers, not people yes. in comedy yes. in any way. Must always be influencing. Always be yeah. must see influencing is what I pitched to NBC. Uh, instead of must see TV, yeah, and it's not going to be on Peacock. It's on the network. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> and hey. it's influencers lip syncing episodes of Friends. Oh, that's strong. And I think it should. As I say it out loud, I'm like, that actually does sound like it might work. Yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> the moment you said it, I thought hit. <laughs> um, when you made History of the World Part Two, did you get Larry David's blessing to use the music no. from Curb? Because you set you set the life of Jesus and Judas, who yeah. betrays Judas. You play Judas um, to Larry Damon's music from Curb, well, yeah. and with some of his cast members. Oh yeah, so it's uh, we do a bunch of different versions of the story of Jesus and Mary, and um, and this one is called Curb Your Judaism, where I am. It's hilarious. I am a I'm Judas who's like a Larry-esque character and JB Smoove is in there basically playing JB he's Luke and um it's like an episode of Curb. Um one of the main reasons we did that sketch is because the Curb Your Enthusiasm song bom 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 is library music. Is it really? Yeah. So I was like we were like well Heads up out there, folks. Library music. Free. Yeah. I do think, the, by the way, the Venn diagram of editors and audio editors who are fans of Mike Birbiglia is probably maybe bigger than that Star Wars Venn diagram. Yeah, it's big. So they, this is for them. They know Dude. that Curb is public domain, not public domain, but library music. Wow. Um, so is um, one of the NFL songs. Dun, 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 okay. dun, 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 So for those out there who are editing stuff together and need that. That's nice. Mainly, we, so we mainly did Curb Your Judaism because we knew we could use that song for free. That's ridiculous. You, Which, didn't, call, you didn't call Sir Larry David? No, you know, we didn't. We were like, should we ask Larry to do this? And it was just like, it was like, why, why make him say no to us? That's very funny. You know what I mean? Do you know... I'll say this, and I don't think he'll mind me saying this. So about a year ago, he calls me, mm -hmm. and he goes, Mike. I never met him. <laughs> Mike, I've been listening to your comedy albums. They're very <laughs> funny. I never call people like this. I swear to God. That's so cool. I was, like, I was like, Larry, this is like one of the nicest things anyone's ever done for me. Yeah. I appreciate it so much. I, go, I talked to him for 20 minutes. It's lovely. Dream come true. Yeah. It's like 
You're yeah, talking to Mel Brooks. Income, it's like yes. royalty, yeah, royalty. Truly. Sir Larry David. I go, would you ever consider coming on the podcast? No. <laughs> What's in it for me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, he goes, and it's a fair point. He goes, he goes, I can only lose. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> he goes, no one else is going to watch my stuff from it. And I right. can only say the wrong thing That's- and get in trouble. He's absolutely. I was like, you're not wrong. He's if you're Larry David, you're not wrong. You're right. He's not like, oh, he's building an audience by coming on your show. No. And and so we didn't even honestly, we didn't even bother asking him just out of respect. So I'm publicly saying I did not get Larry's blessing. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> Lawsuit. Support for Mike Birbiglia's Working It Out comes from Helix Sleep. Helix has been with this podcast from the very beginning. We are huge Helix mattress fans over here. Let me tell you a few things that are great about Helix Sleep mattresses. They are fiberglass free. Unlike other brands, Helix mattresses do not contain fiberglass, which can be harmful to your health. As you may have seen in the news or on social media, there have been a number of health issues and lawsuits related to fiberglass and mattresses. You know, actually, I used to, I used to have a mattress that was pure fiberglass. It was just, it was literally a bed of fiberglass. No longer. I sleep on Helix mattresses, which are fiberglass-free. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. That's helixsleep.com slash burbigs. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. No, now. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. I was thrilled when they became an advertiser because we've used them for years. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Start a completely personalized website with the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. You can sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses, or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We're on a text chain mm-hmm. with um, our improv group from 20 years ago, mm-hmm. solid, a solid 20 to 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, my question to you is, um, Every few months, mm-hmm. for the last, we've been on this text chain for a long time. We go on this thing with our five or six friends, and we make fun of people from college. Mm-hmm. Still, we're forty-four years old. Mm-hmm. When does this end? I don't think ever. I think it becomes the only way that any of us can actually. <laughs> I don't. I wonder if there are text chains that are nice. <laughs> Like, are, do you know what I mean? Or is it all? Because I feel like I have a few different versions of text chains with various friends. Yeah. And they all revolve around talking shit about people in common for us. 
And in our case, it's people from like 25 years ago in college that we are continuing to bond over as we did 20 years ago. Yeah, more we kids. Can, yeah. And now we're 44-year-old men and- With children. With children. No less. I mean, we also talk a lot of shit about our children on the channel. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Yeah, that would be amazing. So okay, so I asked the chain. I took you off the chain the other day secretly and said, "Hey, I'm interviewing." Oh, Nick. then that's when you that's when you restarted and, and put the name in. Okay, yep, put in okay. the names, and then I said, "Do you do you guys have any questions for Nick?" One is um from Conrad, which is was Nick there when we flew back from Ed's first wedding with an infinitesimally small amount of weed in our luggage, and when we changed planes in Chicago, they called us to the desk and told us. They had called ahead to New York and they couldn't guarantee we wouldn't all get arrested. I think I was on that plane. <laughs> I think I was like, wait, why are those two guys getting talked to? And it was, and uh, yes, I mean, so I was. I don't remember feeling as though I was going to get arrested. Yeah, yeah, no, you're not. Because I wasn't, I mean, in that case, like it was, I was like, the weed ain't in my bag, bitch. Oh, nice. Good defense, <laughs> so, good defense. Did you remember that? Were you on that I wasn't on back? that one, yeah. I mean, I remember that first wedding. I remember that first wedding. By the way, I didn't, I told Ed, mm -hmm. this is how close we are as friends. He goes, will you come to my wedding? I go, I don't go to second weddings. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't go to second weddings. I don't know. I, I know that it's going to be controversial. Yeah? I know that's a controversial take. Yeah. And I'm like, I barely go to first weddings. Right. I work on the weekends. I work nights and weekends. But he, but he's like, but it's my wife's first wedding. Right. And and you're like, yeah, but it's your second wedding. Classic defense of the second wedding. <laughs> right. I think that's fine. Okay. I don't think anyone should have to go to anything for anyone. Agreed. Um, so I was watching your special, which is so good. And what's wild about it is because we're friends, you, it's very autobiographical. So I know the stories mm -hmm. from when they happen. You talk a lot about this breakup that was really hard. You have mm -hmm. this really sensitive thing where you go, where you go, you know, I fell in love for the first time when I was 32 and mm -hmm. I had my heart broken when I was 33. I was a late bloomer, mm -hmm. you know? And it was interesting because I'm, you know, being someone who does autobiographical storytelling you also. Do? <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> please. <laughs> really? I didn't, I, I didn't phrase that. I didn't phrase that in the proper order. No, you did <laughs> It'd be so funny if I was like, oh, that's what you, oh, I thought you were a topical prop guy. <laughs> okay. But when you said that, I was like, um, I found myself just really hooked in and I know the story, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But it's one of those things where, did you find that when you were telling that story on tour, you know, in preparation for the special, that audiences would just like lean in kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the the whole special was an was an exercise for me in doing stuff that I had not done a lot of, which was be autobiographical and be very much like here's my story. Like I felt like I was have always done a lot more like character stuff, like, um, and so it was an exercise in in uh, trying to be more vulnerable and and you know honestly having watched you do that to such great. Uh, effect and success over the years of being like, this is really my story. And and whether every moment of it is exactly what happened in your life or the essence of what it is, is what like coalesces into a, a, a story that is very truthful and grounded in who you are. Um, I think I was like, oh, I think there there's 
there's my version of this that is like autobiographical and, and hopefully um, has depth to it um, that will hopefully bring the audience in, in a yeah. way. And I think the first time I did the hour of it was on one of your shows when you were... Oh, at Cherry Lane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I guess you were you were in the early stages of working on The Old Man in the Pool. That's right. And I did the, and it was a, whatever that was. We was were like back-to-back -back slots on like a Monday Yeah, you or let something. me come in and try it out because I was doing my first like date of that. And it, and as you know, it changes and, and refocuses and stuff. But there was a lot of that stuff about the breakup. And I, and I remember you being like, wow, that was quite emotional and surprising. It was, I, you were very kind and, and gracious about what I was, both the comedy of it, but also what I was in, trying to do on a larger level. So it then becomes, as you well know, like this weird honing of like, all right, is this interesting? Is this emotional? Is this funny? Is it both like, w and what can be discarded if it's, if it's only one of those two things? Yeah, it's funny when you, when, when you watch someone else doing something that's, that's something you do and you go like, oh, right. Like, the, like when I'm hooked in is like when you're uh, saying this thing about that's emotional about the breakup, I'm like leaning in specifics about like the Plymouth Voyager and mm -hmm. the fettuccine Alfredo. I'm like, I'm in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it, but it's such a testament to like uh, specificity yeah. is what pulls people in. Yeah. Well, I it, my little philosophy is that like inside of specificity is universality. So like I'm going to speak about very specifically about my life or in, in this case of the special or, or, or the work that you do. And inside of that, somehow my very specific life will s hopefully seem universal because yeah. it doesn't matter whether it's a Plymouth Voyager or Fettuccine Alfredo. Uh, it's like, we've all fallen in love and we've all shit our pants, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> the tagline for your special. I wish I, it's now too we, late, but I wish I. We've all fallen in love and shed our pants. <laughs> yeah. And we've all fallen in love with the shit in our oh pants. Oh my God. What do you, what's the best piece of advice you've been given in your life that you used? The best piece of advice I've, re I've received. Um, I, so my therapist looks a lot like Francis McDormand <laughs> <laughs> and like, and is kind of like her. Okay. Um, and I, w I think it was the year that she was like um, doing all the, she won for three billboards outside of. Yeah, blah, I remember blah, blah, that blah, one, blah. yep. Um, and me and Melania had hosted the the Spirit Awards and oh my she God, won. Classic. She this was the the I think the second time we done it. This is the year that she she was winning for she won the eventually wins the Oscar that the three billboards. Yes, yeah. And so it was the night before the Oscars. I had seen her that day at the Spirit Awards and I and she's trying to leave like a fancy the night before party like a very fancy Hollywood party. She's trying to leave the party with a coat over her head, just trying to like get at like in yeah. general Frances McDormand is probably trying to get out of Hollywood parties, but in this particular moment, she's really trying to get out really of this trying. party because she's going to go fucking win an Oscar tomorrow. Wow. So she's trying to leave with her and I'm feeling brazen because we've hosted that day. I'm like, "Franny, Franny, Franny." And she <laughs> stops and looks at me and because I had and I felt emboldened because I had hosted the award show that she yeah. was at that day. So she looks at me and, and she's like, hi. Like she was like, yes, I will engage with you right now. Yeah. And I go, Franny, I got to tell you, you look so much like my therapist. Oh my God. And she goes, <laughs> she looks at me and she goes, okay, then let's do the work. Oh my God, that's so funny. And she like 
looks at me and she goes, the most powerful thing you can do is say no. And I was like, okay. She's like, good night, I'm leaving. Have you met my husband? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm I've like, heard of him. oh, I was like, hi, I'm a big fan. And he was like, really? Like it was that funny moment. Like you're- it's Ethan Cohen, right? Yes. Yeah. That everybody's a plus one at, at various times in their lives. And so Ethan Cohen is like, <laughs> you, you know who I am? And I was like, yeah, I know. I'm a fucking, I'm a fan. So anyway, my point is I, that piece of advice has stuck with me. I rarely take it. It's great advice. But saying no is great. There's nothing more powerful that you can do than say no is a really powerful piece of advice, I think. Saying no is important. Saying yes is important. Yes. Which goes back to improv. Yeah. What would you, you and I started together in improv uh, we did improv together for on and off for five years. Do you remember any scene we ever did together ever? No. I, I remember <laughs> we had graduated college. You guys had graduated year before me, moved to New York, started doing improv. Um, and we would rehearse together. And like when you're early on, you're just rehearsing and like an older, more experienced improviser would come and like gives you notes afterwards yeah. and stuff. And Michael Delaney was watching us and I was very nervous and insecure, and I sold. I just remember selling out scenes. Yeah, like being like, "Well, this is fucking stupid." Yes, and and, and I remember and Delaney being like, "Don't do that." And and I remember the group being so bummed at me for selling the scene out. Yeah, because so I don't remember any specific scenes, but I remember that day very clearly. Being like, "Oh, it's not cool to like be like, it's not cool to not try." Yeah. And I, that was a, so I don't remember any specific scenes, but I remember that very clearly, that that's a, day. That's a really interesting point because that was topped to me uh, in a parallel way by my director, Seth Barish. Like yeah. when we first started working together, I had a lot of stand-up jokes, which were commentary on the stand-up comedy joke yes. not working. Yes. And he would just be like, you might want to just pull that out. Yeah. And I was like, but it does but it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, right, but like, the long game of it is that you're all kind of, I'm paraphrasing, but you're kind of decreasing the audience's confidence in you as the narrator. Yes. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. I was thrilled when they became an advertiser because we've used them for years. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Start a completely personalized website with the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. You can sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses, or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Oh, hello was, I think, the most I've ever laughed on Broadway. Really? I think it's the most I've ever laughed. Really? More I... than lame is? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> 
When I saw Phantom, I <laughs> laughed in the first act, but I really it lost me I, I, in the second <laughs> act. No, but but it's um no the the laughs in Hades Town began <laughs> from the moment the uh, <laughs> the workers come in the moment when the the la- things are moving. I don't know. I didn't see it. <laughs> um, no, it's um, I laughed so hard, and then I was in it. I was, you know, I was yes, the guest one, were. Oh, that yes. night, oh, and yes. you guys just broke me so hard. I'm just laughing through the whole thing, and then the this. sandwich <laughs> is outrageous. <laughs> what is the, what is the most unhinged? The Oh Hello Broadway performance ever got where you're like, oh, we're really off script. Well. So uh, I think the probably <laughs> probably the weirdest of it all was this is going to take a second to explain, okay. but in the show, you know, me and John's characters are putting on a play, and in the play, near the end of the, like as the we wrote basically the third act, by the way, improvising on stage on Broadway. Like we had not worked out what the third act of that play was until. So like, that's why the show could go from an hour 30 to two hours and 10 minutes based on how much- The play within the play. Yeah, how much we were fucking around, improvising, trying to find things. And so like, we locked that show on the probably the last weekend of of the 140 shows we did. Wow. So- there's a mo- moment in the thing where we're, there's going to be a cameo, a special moment when a guest star is going to come out on stage, F. Murray Abraham. Mm-hmm. We would refer to him as like, John would go, my friend F is waiting <laughs> backstage. And, and then Gil is about to shit his pants and the play then falls apart. The play within the play falls apart. It all falls apart. I'm walking around these in the West Village and uh, I, I tell this story partly right now because... F. Murray Abraham is now just in White Lotus and everybody now I think is like re-familiarized right. with F. Murray yes. Abraham on a level that like, you know, he's like, oh, it's the grandpa in White Lotus, right? We, we've been obsessed with F. Murray Abraham for a while from- Brilliant actor. <laughs> he's a brilliant actor. And he's and so I see this guy walking around in a puffy Teamsters jacket in the West Village and I'm like, I think that's F. Murray Abraham. I He goes into the post office and I wait outside the post office for him. This is in real life? This is in real life. Okay. This is what happens when we're in the middle of Oh Hello. Okay. I go up to him. He walks out of the post office and I'm like, uh, Mr. Abraham, uh, my name's Nick Kroll. I'm doing a Broadway show with my friend John Mulaney. And as soon as he hears Broadway, he's like, mm-hmm. He, he's sort of intrigued by whatever I'm about to say. I'm like, we do this play where you are supposed to come out as a special cameo, then something happens, the play falls apart, and you never appear on stage. I would love for you to come and be a part of our show. Mulaney, I've already called Mulaney, so Mulaney's like en route trying to come to F. Murray Abraham. This on is a wild story. We're on like 6th Ave and like, you know, and like 10th Street. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And and so I was like, so I'd like you to be a part of the show. He's like, so I never appear on stage. And I was like, correct. He's like, so in a way, I'm already doing my job. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> yes, technically you are correct. But I was like, but we would just like you to be on the show, you know, da da da. He's like, ah, yes. I was like, do you have an agent? He's like, ah, yes, yes, yes. Let's make this official. Yes. And he gives me, <laughs> he goes into his phone, and we can't help but like peek at his iPhone that he only has like four contacts in. (laughs) One of them is his agent, who he puts us in touch with. And then he comes to do the show. He shows up, normally the guests, you know, in your case, you came and said hi. We would always have the guests come backstage and say hello. If if we didn't know them, it was a chance for them to like get to know us and see us before 
like the mania of the weirdest thing in the world, which is you're watching a show, then you walk up on stage in the middle of the show, you get interviewed by the people who are doing the show, and then you're, you leave. It's a very surreal, it must be a very surreal experience. Um, so we would meet everybody before, or we would catch up with like an old friend like you. Um, so he comes five minutes before the show. He's like, I'm going to get a dinner. Please have a bottle of champagne waiting for me when I return. So he leaves. We start the show. We're told, we don't know any of this because we are, he's not there until five minutes before the show, before he's about to get on stage. He has a, a, a drink from this bottle of champagne he's requested. And then he walks out on stage and has almost zero context of who we, what, what is happening in any way. This is during the play? This is during the play. So he's a bit <laughs> like a crazy guarded story. and slightly skeptical about it until there's a is moment. Is that the Lyceum Theater? Yeah. That's this crazy so story. He, I have no idea. Yeah, so he then he then is sort of like, he. I mean, he's not, he's being lovely, but he's just a little bit like, you know, He's a, I mean, he's F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. He's a serious actor, and these two fucking cl clown <laughs> fish are on stage, like <laughs> fake old people. Yeah, fake old people with bad, you know, silly frumpy outfit. Anyway, yeah. but he's still like lightly enjoying it. And then we find out, by the way, F. Murray Abraham is not from Europe. He's from like Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, the and Madonna then, accent kind of thing. Yeah, it's those older actors where you're like, are you wearing Europe? Sla like, are you yes. from Serbia or England? <laughs> oh no, you're from Pennsylvania. Right, right. Uh -huh, yes. And he, but then also it spent <laughs> a lot of time in like El Paso. He's like, yeah, I grew up right near the wall, you know? And I was like, and I made some joke of like, and, and what were the glory holes like? Or something oh like, and then he like looked at me and burst out laughing. And all of a sudden realized and decided that this was going to be very fun. And like, ah, improvisation. Oh my gosh. And he then like, lights up and has a blast and the segment <laughs> ends with me singing and Mulaney and him, Mulaney slow dancing F. Murray Abraham off the stage. Oh my gosh. So the last thing we do, cause I have to, I have a heart out. But, I have um, to go. I know you have I to I actually go. have well, to. The final thing is. I have to go. No, no, I'm going to wrap it up. But I have to leave. But you when can I'm wrap gonna, it up because I have it hard out and I'm I have to leave. I'm sorry to cut you short. I'm sorry I'm going to have to cut you short. You know, I think we just have to finish this up because I actually have to leave because I have my producer, other things. I'm sorry. In my ear, my producer's telling me we have to wrap. I'm, I'm so sorry, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this will stay in, right? Yeah, yeah. Working it out for a cause is where we I donate to an organization that you think does a great job. Yeah, sure. The NRDC uh, is a good organization. Um, they uh, we both perform for them, but they are, do the like the nuts and bolts, the not so sexy uh, work for the environment. Like they're the ones who like um, are getting Flint to like actually clean up their water. That's right. Like the 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 pipeline in um, North Dakota, they block that. They're, it's not like sexy, but they're like going through the courts and getting things accomplished for the environment on a level that is incredibly helpful and like uh, uh, tangible. I'm going to give to them nrdc.org. You can as well. It's linked in the show notes. Thank you, Nick Kroll. I'm going to say, I love you. I don't say I love you at the end of the, a lot of episodes, I'll but say I this. love you. I love you, man, which is one of my first films that I was in, uh, directed by John We're not Amber. doing more plugs. Okay. 
We can't plug anything else. I'm sorry. We're, we're gonna. We're well, gonna I have there. to go, so I'm gonna cut this off. I'm gonna cut off the. I'm gonna. We're gonna edit out the "I love you, man" part. <laughs> I uh, love if you that's too, okay Mike. With you. I love you too. All right. I love you, man. Too available <laughs> streaming we're done. on Fubu. We're done. <laughs> Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no. That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. That's Nick Kroll. You can find him on Instagram at, at Nick Kroll. Uh, N-I-C-K-K-R-O-L-L. Um, watch History of the World Part 2. Watch Don't Worry, Darling. I couldn't recommend these projects more highly. Watch his special on Netflix. His uh, Little Big Boy is fantastic. Our producers are working it out are myself, along with Joseph Berbiglia and Peter Salamone. Associate producer Mabel Lewis, consulting producer Seth Barish, assistant producers Gary Simons and Lucy Jones, sound mix by Shub Sarin, supervising engineer Kate Bolinsky. Special thanks to Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall, as well as David Raphael and Nina Quick. My consigliere is Mike Berkowitz. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. Jack was involved with that great new Lana Del Rey album that just came out. There's a Bleachers collaboration song on it called Margaret, which is gorgeous. Gorgeous song, just a showstopper. So check that out. Special thanks to my wife, the poet J. Hope Stein. Uh, her book, The Little Astronaut, is in bookstores now. That's a good one, by the way. Mother's Day is coming up. That's a good one to order. Special thanks, as always, to our daughter, Una, who built the original radio fort made of pillows. And thanks most of all to you who are listening. If you enjoy the show, please do us a favor. Take uh, 90 seconds. Maybe 80 seconds. Go to Apple Podcasts, put five stars, and just write, honestly, just write who your favorite guest was. That's it. That little thing. Just, uh, you know, it helps us out. Uh, it, happy birthday to Tignataro, by the way. She, that's another guest you could write who would be one of your favorite guests of all time. That episode is a riot. It's literally, I've, you know, we edited it. I listened to it like 100 times, and... It still makes me laugh. So maybe put Tignan Nataro, or you could put happy birthday Tignan Nataro. <laughs> That'll really confuse the commenters. Thanks most of all to you who are listening to the show. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. It's springtime. For example, maybe, you, uh, maybe you're, out, you're out there and you catch a mischievous rabbit stealing one of your carrots, but then you decide maybe you'll share the carrots. And while you're sitting there sharing a carrot with a rabbit, you say, hey, I know you're not a human and you don't understand anything I'm saying, but... If you're ever looking for a podcast to play in your den, check out Working It Out. It's where a comedian named Mike Birbiglia discusses creative processes with other comedians and creators. I think you might get something out of it. But then again, you're a rabbit. Thanks, everybody. We're working it out. Working it out.